been a couple of weeks. My name is Yaku. Um, I'm the co-host with Lenny. Lenny's with me. Lenny, how are you doing? Good in you, Yaku. It's, it's been a while. I've missed a few, but I'm glad to be back. On, yeah, on it's the, been a couple of weeks. Episode. Yeah. It's been a bit of a roller coaster the past couple of weeks. End of the year madness. So yeah, it's a bit been rough. It's always like that from October, the end of the year. I don't know, people's got money to, to burn, so it keeps us busy in the, in the project and engineering space, yeah. Yeah, for sure. We've, uh, we're on episode 26. If, you, if this is your first time listening to the Human and Machine podcast, this is episode 26. Um, hard to believe that we've already done 25 of these and recording 26 now. Uh, if you missed the previous episode, that was with uh, Vinesh Maharaj. Um, from PWC, speaking a little bit about, not a little bit, we had a, a great conversation with Maharaj, we're sharing some insights and, and knowledge about technology, the role of technology, um, as far as smart manufacturing um, and smart factories go, really, really insightful um, chat with Vinesh, he's, he's um, just, a, apart from just being a, a very, very good human being and a great person, very, very knowledgeable on, on the topics. So if you missed that episode with Vinesh, there was episode 25, um, have a listen, uh, definitely insightful and valuable. We've also, this past week, we've had some people in our office, yep. which was just amazing to, to have. I think after 18 months of, of uh, Zoom calls and, and, and Teams calls and sort of smiling at each, at each other from behind masks, it was really, really nice to have some people in our office and uh, engage face-to-face again. Yeah, I think that team, um, that team's little intro when you get a call, it's almost getting me heart palpitations by now. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not a big fan, but... I suppose, I suppose <laughs> for many, it was strange to put on pants. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it was good to be back and some people in the office. Cool. So this episode, we are talking a little bit about... Um, Firstly, the, the mining industry, not, not specifically um, uh, the mining trends and, and things like that, but we are touching on the mining industry, but more specifically on the value of data, um, um, or not so much data, the value of information in the mining industry. It's a, it's a sector of, that we haven't really spoken about. Um, we've, we've often alluded to mining, but we haven't really touched upon what that data journey looks like in the mining space. And we, we thought that um, it's definitely... Uh, um, <laughs> we should be doing that, um, as mining is, of course, um, one of South Africa's um, top industries, yeah. sectors, at least. Definitely. I think the mining sector in South Africa, is, it, it's always been the stronghold. I think it's generally known that it's a stronghold of the South African economy. Um, I think we're ranked fifth internationally in terms of mining contribution and top three for certain types of, types of metals, precious yeah. metals and minerals. Um, and in a year, if you followed the news or followed some of the some of the figures around or numbers around mining in the in the past year or so, give it, give or take a year, it's been so devastating in many ways. The mining sector delivered a very strong performance. Correct. I see Anglo posted results yesterday. Very good results from them as well. Yeah, so yeah, it's been uh, big big contributions from from those guys in the economy. Yeah, and we've observed, as to your point, um, record prices, rand prices, at least for gold, platinum groups, iron ore, and even more recently coal, which was which was good to see. Um, and, and as many attempt to sketch this opportunity that technology provides, because that's the focus of this podcast, we should, probably should have said that in the beginning, we, uh, we focus on the role of technology um, in the industrial and manufacturing landscape in South Africa. And as many attempt to sketch this opportunity um, that technology provides, <clears throat> in let's call it digitally transforming mining operations. 
Um, it's really the people aspect. And if you look at the context of digital transformation, people, process, technology, it's really the people aspect that is attracting the most focus, um, and especially so in the mining space. I'm going to reference a, a recent study. Um, we often do that. Recent, according to research, yeah. or a recent <laughs> study reveals, but these... Um, I find that the, the surveys from PwC are usually the most insightful. And the recent PwC survey um, of digital transformation in the South African mining sector, most respondents believe that there would be a change in the nature of the workforce to more skilled employees over the next two years. Um, or, um, and, and that's obviously a number that's been brought forward quite, quite significantly. And we have to agree with that. Um, I think if you look at the mining space, the role of people um, is obviously significant as in other, other industries, but there is a massive opportunity to enable people to do more um, and do things easier and better. So we're not the experts, um, even though we sometimes fluff through some things and we, we pretend to be, but the podcast is not about us. Um, it is really about the conversations that we have with people that are the experts and people that are really um, in the cold face. See what I did there, um, so, so, so to speak. Um, so for this episode, we're really excited to um, <laughs> make you giggle, Lenny. <laughs> so for episode 26 of the Human Machine Podcast, we're really excited to chat with Omaru Roo. <clears throat> We've known Omaru for, for many, many years, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the number now. I'm not going to guess a number because that'll give away my age and maybe embarrass you and Omaru that's a bit younger. Uh, but we've known Omaru for many years in, in many different roles. Um, just, a, just a fantastic person very passionate about technology and data. And when we thought about speaking to somebody that's really close to that environment, in that environment, we couldn't think of anybody better than, than Omaru. Um, so today we're chatting with Omaru. Omaru is um, with a business, an integration business called CSI, Control Systems Integration, uh, where he's currently in his current role, he is the team lead and an architect at a, at a large coal mining business and uh, provider. So, yeah, we're chatting with Omaru today. Omaru, thank you very much for joining us. We're looking forward to chatting with you. Good morning, guys. Same year. That was a long intro. Sorry, we, we tend to do that. <laughs> Omaru, um, before we get into um, chatting about the stuff that, we, that we're most passionate about, um, maybe give us a little bit of background about you and, and your journey. Um, as much as your role and what you do has, has grown and evolved, um, so have you and, and, and what you've been doing and where you started off. Uh, can you maybe give us a little bit of your, your background and experience? Hey, thanks, Yaku. Yes, um, I started off my career um, as a... So I, I studied electronical engineering at Technicon Pretoria. And then I started off as a, as a technician at the coal company. Uh, for many years, we, we worked on the... And the stuff that make make things ha happen in, in in real time. So, as a as a maintenance technician on site, you are responsible for for keeping the things running. So we got the the exposure to to all of the, the systems from the instrument to the PLC, right through to the SCADA. At that stage, um, the historian was just something that that information goes to. So after that, after a few years in, in that environment, uh, I moved to in, into the industrial IT space. So for the in the information management uh, division of that same company, 
where the, the information portion, uh, so everything that gets generated by all the systems and instruments and, and, and so forth, where that gets picked up and handled and looked at. So in that in, in environment, I worked for a few years, then I moved to, to the head office of the same company as a solution architect, worked there for a few years. And in the recent years, I've, I've, I've been working for, a, for the system integrator that you mentioned. And um, so, yeah, I worked for, for a few, uh, at a few companies, a uh, little bit of food and beverage exposure, and, but primarily uh, in the mining industry, I'd say 95% of my uh, background is, is, is in the mining industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, ever since we've been trying to make sense of thousands and thousands of pieces <laughs> of data scattered all over the place. I love what you. I love what you said about the historian. We, um, you know, nobody nobody says we want a historian. We need an historian. Um, I mean, the historian is is the capability that you have to capture large amounts of data and and extract the value from it. So the need is not actually for an historian. The need is for information. And, yep. and value. That's a very good point. And um, Omaru, do you just on the mining? You is is that this where you sort of pictured yourself? Did you fall into it, or you know, we we I often think about we often speak about our journeys. You know, you you picture yourself in a specific industry or environment, and, and naturally some sectors are a little bit sexier than others. Um, but you end where you are, and you you're there for a reason. Yeah, I think very few people and end up where they originally think they they will end up. So it's the same, yeah. But uh, that the the journey that gets laid out for for a person, and we are thankful for that. So yes, <laughs> for sure. Um, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know that through the conversation that we've had on the on the twenty five episodes, we 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 always attempt to understand the relationship that people have with technology, technology providers and, and the outcomes. And, and for some, it's deeply personal um, and it's positive experiences and for others, not so much. Um, and there's a, and there's always a couple of reasons why it's not always a, always a good experience when it comes to technology. Um, and in many, in a many variables in technology, a lot of that stems from the ability to actually measure what's been done. Um, measure what's been done and also on the back of that you can only manage what you can measure um, and that's where, you, that's where we see a lot of conversation sort of steering towards um, over the last couple of weeks is towards that you can only manage what you can measure and I think for your journey specifically and, and your team's journey Amaro that's been absolutely a journey of data to, to information to value hasn't it Yes, Yaku. Um, so over many years, we we have had a few attempts to make sense out of all of that real time. So 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 many philosophies has been built on, especially batch processing and so on. Where in the environment that I'm used to, it's real time processing. So real time processing, we always find a a bit more difficult because things there's not there's no real start and end time to to things happening and uh, to, to put the context and a sense to that um, is always a challenge. So over yeah, the years... Interesting, um, fact you bring up, like you said, when you were instrument technician, 
or, or even working at, at a system integrated company, the historian is normally where, where, where our hands stop. <laughs> we just tick the tag to say, hey, historized, and then that's it. Because we worried about that real time. What's the value now? Is the scaling correct? Is it, is it showing that the motor is running or not on the skater yeah. page? And that's it. So, and, and we see it a lot. Is that a lot? How, how, often, how often, we spoke about it yesterday, do you see a, a, an RFP or a request for information or understanding where there's one line that says reporting? <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's usually the last line as well, reporting. And, and I don't know. And, and to your point, we, uh, we see it quite difficult. And I don't understand exactly why, but we do see it difficult for that type of person to move into a space where it's not real time anymore as you said now it's a start end, a start time and an end time and there's some cleaning of that information you need to do some little bit of aggregation and you look at the weekly report and you make a few decisions and correct and it is quite a it is quite a, a mindset change going from this real-time instrument processing world and 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 technically, it's still our space. It's still our pyramid. It's, it's the historian is part of a skater. It's the data acquisition part. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we find it a lot that historians have tons and tons of information, and sometimes it just sits there unmined. Sorry, see my pun that I've done there. Yeah, like we um, <laughs> but it's unmined. Um, but yeah, we see it. We see it a lot for people, and, and I'm glad that that you. Because I do feel it's, it's very important that you understand where the information is coming from. So know the instrument, know exactly what the scaling and the unit of measure and all of the metadata that goes with that instrument. And how do you transform all of that data now to meaningful information to somebody that's got no clue what the pressure transmitter or a mm. weightometer is? Because mm. that's not his job. So Lenny, many, many times we see that projects gets executed in buckets. So there's guys responsible for the electrical portion of it. There's guys res responsible for the control of it. And then, like you said, the one-liner that says reporting. So we find it in this industry many times to be a challenge because if you if you look at the way that the, the data that's get gener generated by all of these systems, if, if you handle that in, in, in buckets, um, there should always be a translation between every step. Mm -hmm. And I personally think if we can get that right to do that in a, in a col collaboration where you design everything with information in mind, I mm -hmm. think lots of these steps can be quite easier than it is currently how we normally approach these type of projects where the mm -hmm. engineering team has got a portion of mm -hmm. information management. Um, we get so many versions of PLC blocks and uh, especially your, your, your control systems and your, and your SCADA systems in, in between because of these things. Just to give you an example, um, if your control system expect your, your bucket, your electrical bucket to, to look a certain way, every version of that bucket is going to behave differently. So that's a, that's a challenge. And then... But we try and we try and uh, standardize in that environment as far as we can call it standardization. But it's it's definitely a, a drive to do that. And then I think uh, we mentioned the historian layer. I, I think over the years it's become uh, kind of the the cutting point or the battery limit between between these worlds. And um, we found to you we need 
something that do the translation between that real time in uh, data world and making that in information. And uh, it was quite a journey. Uh, we, we tried a few things. We, you must think back now, 10 or what years ago, <clears throat> we didn't have all the technologies and stuff that we currently have. Mm. But it, it, it's, it's very important to, to, to get a philosophy and, and go with that. So we've tried out a, a few things. And the, the philosophy that works for us is the fact that you, um, especially on, a, on, on a, a business unit of size, it's very difficult to, to, to hire in resources to come and do something for you. So what we found to be the best approach for us is uh, where you use technology in this space that you provide the people that know the stuff, the people on the, on the unit, on the business unit, you enable them to help themselves. Okay. You will also so, find so, this. Sorry, Amrita, so when you say difficult to get resources, you're referring to that deep knowledge and understanding needed to, to, to deploy that. Is that what you're referring to, the, the local yeah, knowledge? Of the business itself, not of the technology. Yes. Techno technology partners, they, they, they are technology partners, guys that can really code very well. Yes. But normally those guys, they, they do know the spaces where the, they are in, but the, every business has got a flavor of its own, a way of, of operations. And what we found these days is the, the, uh, the, the way that the business function is so agile, um, markets are changing, drives are, are, are weekly different. So every week there's something, something new that's the, that's the bottleneck, hmm. things that need to be managed. And if you need to, to, to buy in resources every time you want to you wanna measure something, you, you mentioned a while ago, you cannot manage what you, don't, what you cannot measure. So if you want to measure something, you need to show it to somebody. If you want to show it to somebody, there's a lot of backend stuff that needs to happen before you can show it to somebody because the most important thing in my mind is to have the single version of the truth. Context. If you, absolutely. If you have multiple versions of the same thing uh, with different answers, who do you trust? Yeah. So to get that right, uh, what we found is use our own people, empower them, with the right tools so that they can help themselves. Obviously in that space, you need to put in some governance and you put, need to put in some uh, measures to, to, to still keep things in the right direction because everybody can run in, in their own direction very easily. Hmm. So by putting some, some governance at least in, the, in, in that space, but using people that know the business that can adapt agile with the business, that is um, where we found the, the best success so far. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Enabling people, that's, that's, that's the key thing. Enabling people, not having to rely on the complexity of coding and the skills required, but enabling them to almost have a, what do we call it, a self-service buffet. Uh, I think in many ways, we, uh, I would love to hear what you've done with, with the data mart. I think that's, that's phenomenal. Um, in many ways, that's what you've created. You've created a self-service buffet. Yeah, I think coming back to the RFI, RFQ scenario, one-line reporting, mm. this is where, where this whole notion around, I'm going to code something, 
It's going to serve that need for what I've quoted on, and I'm going to deliver it. Hmm. All right? So I've delivered this report. That's what you've got. Now, as Almer has said, because of the agility of, of businesses and the need for information, if you solve problem A today, hmm. why do you need to look at the same report for problem A tomorrow? Hmm. You need to focus on problem B. Hmm. Now you need a new set of reports. So this is where this... This now you need to get the guy out again. He needs to because he's the only guy, right? He's 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 the hero. He's the only guy that knows what's happening in that code. And goodness gracious, you you don't know. If you open up those SQL queries and stuff, it looks Greek. Um, and you need to find this guy, right? And he comes out and he changes it. And he yes, you you're the man, right? You did this for me. Now I've got a week later the requirement changes. A week later, and and I think this is very important in this space is that. If your requirement does not change week on week, I don't think you're using your information the way you intended to use. It should change. Mm. Because each and every piece of information that you see, mm. you need to have a decision on what to do if that information is not in spec. And what is the action that you're going to take on that information to get it into spec? Mm. If it's done, move over to the next port of information. Mm. But as you said, if your information buffet... Mm. It's not set up in a way that I can just go and look at all of these things without having to get a guy in, mm. then yeah, I think you're going to have a, a integrator sitting in your office pretty much as, so a, pretty much. as a full-time resource. Yeah. And that's what we see in this reporting space. Omar, I love what you mentioned about the trust, mm. right? Because it, it comes down to trust. We, uh, we, we spoke yesterday, we spoke a little bit about uh, here in the office, we spoke about meetings and the purpose of meetings. And then very often you'll find in meetings that um, the meeting exists to drive something forward. But very often you'll find in these meetings, you spend 80% of the time of the meeting, you'll spend arguing about the quality or the validity of the data that you're looking at. Um, and you spend the other 20% of the, of the meeting actually getting to the decision-making and the action, uh, where it should be the other way around. You know, you, you should spend zero time, not even the other way, you, sh you should spend zero time arguing over, over the quality or the validity of the data. You should just take it as is um, and then basing your decisions and your follow-up actions on that data. So uh, that's a very good point that you mentioned about the trust in the, in the data. Yes. Uh, when, we, when, when we formally started on, on this data journey, um, we estimated that we're going to spend around about 75% of our effort defining what we're going to do and then another 20, 25% in actually doing it. And, and I'm just, just sorry, sorry to bug you, but just tell us when did that journey start? Yeah. You're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, now you will know my age. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for me, that journey started in 2006. Okay. Yeah. okay. Because the only reason I want to bring that in, sorry, I don't want to tell you how old, is no, my age away because I'm pretty much as old as Almer. But the point is that we're going to make is we also you talked about buzzwords. We we spoke about buzzwords a lot. There's there's now vendors that comes out and it's what it, the best one this week was. Our software is industry 4.0 ready. Yeah, our software is industry 4.0 ready. 
And uh, we, before we, we recorded the call, I said to Omra, Omra, you're an expert. Just explain to me, what does that mean? Because I don't know what it means. So the point that I want to make is that even, uh, even the, the PwC result says it's going to be a journey of two years at least. Five years, yeah. So all I want to, all I want to do is it's a journey. It is, it is absolutely, and it's going to take time to get it right. And as Omra said, they're on this journey now for a better part of 10 years. Yeah. Um, they're learning things, they're figuring out how to do it. And Omar, I think you guys are in a position now where I think you guys got it sorted. <laughs> and and you, you, took, you, you say you're 75% on defining and 25% on actually the doing. Then I actually found out that I was wrong. <laughs> it's more 85%. <laughs> okay. So defining, and that is, that is to get to the single value of the truth that you can trust. So that, that means you, you really need to define something. You need to put your business rules on paper and you need to document it and you, somebody needs to sign it off to own it. So that's some, some, something we didn't touch on yet, ownership. Yep. One of the key, key, key components to, to success in my mind is that you need to find yourself somebody in business that's got the drive and the willingness to take it forward. Because if you apply the wheelbarrow effect, you, you push a wheelbarrow and you leave it there, tomorrow it's sta still standing there. <clears throat> they, they found, I think 75% of all projects in this space fail within the first six months after completion if you don't have somebody that really takes ownership of it to take it further. Because of the agileness of, of the environment, six months later, what you implemented is not relevant anymore or large portions of it is not relevant anymore because your business drivers has changed or your bottlenecks has changed. That's not, not what you are actively managing because what, what is preventing you from doing what you're setting out in your business. Being able to, to, to make that changes and to keep up is, is key to success. And Omra, probably coupled with that is to understand the role players. Yes, you might have one driver and, and, and most of the times we, we, we think that that driver that has got the drive in the business should be the CIO or the CDO, new, the chief digital officer as they call him now. He must be on board, but also the, the different role players that's going to interact with the information. And those role players will have different needs and different requirements for this information, mm. but they, they as well need to take ownership of that. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's very important when you go on this journey to understand who those role players are mm. and what their needs and, and initiatives are that they need to focus on because it's going to change for everybody in the organization. Mm. Absolutely. That's, that's very, very important. Plenty of interesting to mention, thing to mention you said the one-liner of reporting. Way back then, our one-liner was just replace all our Excel re reporting. Yep. So you can just imagine. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I use the, the, the analogy of a, of a, of a and I, I'm, I'm guilty of doing this as well. So when people come to me and say, listen, we want to digitize our Excel or our handwritten reports, I fall in the trap of taking those Excel and handwritten reports and just digitizing it. That's not the, the, the goal, right? Mm. Um, I use the analogy of an airplane cockpit. Um, there's a gauge. So what, what is the objective of flying an airplane? 
is to get people safely from one point to the other point. Correct. Mm -hmm. So my point that I want to make is if you're going to not have an objective of what the information is going to solve, you're already one, one, one foot behind. Mm. Right. So business objectives. And sometimes, well, we, we need to make money, right? So it must be a tangible business benefit of why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Right. So as an airplane power pilot, you need to deliver people safely from point A to point B. Right. Now I give you a gauge. I give you a, a KPI. I give you a gauge on your instrument cluster. So the first thing sometimes that happens is either the cluster is broken or the gauge is not working. So there's an information problem, right? Your data is not cleaned. Your data is giving you and you don't trust the data. So that's the first thing that you then have to solve is, is cleaning or getting correct, accurate data. Hmm. The second thing is, is if you don't do those roles process of understanding the needs of the different people in the organization, mm. then you give them the gauge, it's working, the data is 100% correct, but it doesn't look at the gauge. Mm. Why doesn't it look at the gauge? Well, that gauge or information is not relevant for me to achieve my objective. Mm. Right. So that's a decision problem. Mm. You gave him the wrong thing to make his decision on. Mm. And the last thing is, the gauge is correct. I look at the gauge, so it is for me, but I don't change my airplanes controls to enforce how to drive this into that's a an action and that's an action problem mm. and i feel 100 if you're just going to have a one-line item that says change our excel reporting how's it going to enforce a change in the business to use this information now mm. to actually drive actionable change to meet your objectives um, and well, i think that portion we we miss sometimes when we talk about this information journey we're all about Connecting to the historian, query the data, make it nice and clean. And then mm. what is the decision and the action portion that we need to also apply to this? And unfortunately, that's a little bit of a culture and a business thing. But Almer, you, you said it a lot, is that you spend so much time understanding the business rules and the business actions before you even go, go into that process of getting the information. Mm. Yeah, that all that that you mentioned just now is actually what ended up being a one of our biggest challenges, and that is uh, once you have this pool of information that you can trust, the culture still exists of people just wanting to put a report there that looks exactly like the Excel one mm. that we used to have. <clears throat> and it, it doesn't enable us to start thinking information rather than crunching numbers in tables. So everything used to be tabular where these days we are moving towards dashboarding and indicators and stuff talking to you rather than you looking at the table and in your head de defining what you're actually seeing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, that is the, that is a, a ongoing thing. And it is right through the whole spectrum of business where but it is, it's evolving with business. The more these things become available, people tend to, to adopt to it. But like everything, it takes time. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a thing that says, um, if, you can, if you look at a report or a dashboard, it doesn't have to be a dashboard, even a report. But if you look at that dashboard or the report and you can't make a decision in 30 seconds on what you need to act on, then it's the wrong dashboard or report. Mm. So 100% correct. Yeah. You, you mentioned about starting the journey and spending the majority of the, of, of the effort and, and time in defining, uh, defining the needs, the, 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 the process, the, the expected outcomes. You spoke about trust. Uh, 
Um, so I would imagine your your operations or the specific operations where you started were, were probably similar to most others. A lot of disparate data sources, um, a lot of varying different information required from different role players, depending on where they are within business. So your, your journey would start naturally to, first of all, encapsulate, uh, encapsulate and, and, and capture all of the disparate data into one place, um, applying some kind of cleaning and then aggregation and then contextualizing to that data and then providing the different levels of information to different people, depending on what they need to action and outcome. Is, 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 is that pretty much the approach? Yes, that's pretty much the approach. So like you mentioned, we've got all these data sources and, and, and I'm of the opinion, you need to lead, let that systems do what they do because they are designed for that. They do it best. You will never, in my opinion, find a silver bullet that works for everything. So yes. uh, our approach is to let that systems do their stuff. But you need to interact with them. So get, get the answers from them. But in that space, we found quite a, uh, a emptiness of it. It was very difficult to to bring everything together, and uh, that brings us at the at at the further point. And that is, we've spoken about the, the people, but you also need the technology. So yeah. you need to partner with the right people, uh, the right providers of 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 technology that you can adopt. And you can train your people and use that technology to work for you. And yeah. that is what we did as we partnered with a, well, I don't know if it's partnered, but we uh, started on a, on a journey with certain software uh, vendors. And at the, this journey, everybody has grown. And that space, according to me, I think has been filled quite well over the last few years due to maturity of the systems in, mm. in, in that space mm. where you can apply your business rules using your people like I, like I mentioned. So that's where your, your people and your processes and your technologies all come together because if one of them falls short, the other portion either need to do it manual or it's not happening. And uh, if that comes together nicely, that's when you start uh, getting your, your success. So in our space, we have that. we using the tools in that space. And what we've decided on is, uh, so that is in, in, a, in, a, in a, all those function in a data-like kind of environment. And then we've put a data mart on top of that. So all of the value chain of the, of the business, each, each have their systems doing what they're doing well. But putting the results that's been signed off and agreed upon, the results of that, putting that in a data mart with a structure that looks very similar. So in the end of the day, the consumer, which we have a term, a, a term for, and we call it citizen developers. Citizen where you, I love that. That's very, 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 very insightful. Where we empower the, the broader majority of employees out there because every, everybody these days are um, in need of information yeah. where they have like a shopping mart where they can go shop for information asking information. questions. Hmm. Yes. 
they, they're asking the context questions. Mm-hmm. Where in your, uh, and, 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 and it's typically uh, locations and KPIs is kind of the definitions that we use. So that's what you ask, where in your business do I want to look and what do I want to look at? If you ask that, that questions and your March structure is in such a way that it supports that, he doesn't need to know what the instrument is called and he doesn't need to know how it looks on the SCADA, but talking to a uniformed way that we defined information, how we host it and how we present it is in a uniform way. Then we can train our people how to interact with the information and the Ethiopia in the end of the day will be when everybody can go and help themselves to information and build whatever they need for today, because tomorrow it might be diff- different. Hmm. I love the I love the fact of segregation between the data lake hmm. and the data mart. Hmm. So two things two things I like. I like that the fact that the data mart encapsulates all aspects of business. So safety, quality, information, probably even finance, Omra. So all of that data is in a data mart accessible for everybody. I Mm. think that's, we should stop segregating data not to be available to everyone. Yeah, democratize the data. I love the fact that you took the concept of keeping data where it belongs. And what I'm talking about there is to say, the historian is built for industrial process data. Leave the raw values in the historian. Okay. and getting a data lake in between that then becomes the bridge between IT and OT. Because if we think of the traditional um, pyramid of operational technology, automation layer, automation layer five level versus, stack, versus the new stuff around yeah. where IT plays. Hmm. Um, and Omri, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your data mart is probably either in your own private cloud at Xero, but that's probably an IT function to maintain and, and keep that data mart intact. Correct. Where the data lake is potentially something a little bit more on the OT side, but it already provides that context to the data to easily go into the data mart. Mm. Um, And (laughs) sorry, I'm going to pick on the IoT already um, Mm. thing again. Um, But I think it's very important to understand that, and I think a lot of people fall in this trap where they they take the raw data Mm. and they just move it into the the data lake. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, that, that was one of the challenges that we need to, to, to overcome because like I mentioned, different versions of buckets, different versions of PLC code, different versions of SCADA environment. Things are called differently. The way that they, um, so the ERP system that they used 10 years ago called things on an on a, on a asset uh, naming very much differently like they do it today but it's a it's a a brownfields environment you cannot go and change everything so you need that layer that brings things together even from different versions from different systems from different areas in in your operation that sometimes don't even closely look the same yeah so now you've got this environment where you can with knowledgeable people from both sides you can bring it together and make the make the expert type of data into information that's accessible to every guy and his dog. Yeah, 
I think it's it's something that happens in the South African mining context quite a lot. Um, mines gets consumed by other companies. Uh, mines get sold off to other companies. So you potentially inherit a system and that's completely different, as you mentioned. It's brownfields. It's got its own structure. But you don't have the luxury of nor the time nor the, the flexibility and you definitely don't want to introduce the, the risk of going to mess inside the PLC to now change no. tag naming standards to address the asset that you've just bought or purchased. Mm. So the concept of having a, 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 in a model that transpose all of this information, doesn't matter what the tag is, mm. but if you look through the lens of the model, it is tons produced for section A. And if everybody looks at that thing, everybody knows that it was announced. Doesn't matter if it's a different vendor's historian technology, a different PLC that actually generated the thing. But the point is, is to, to create that abstraction layer mm. to give that unified view to your information model. Mm. Um, I always <laughs> I always take the example, people probably laugh at me, but I always take the example of a unit of measure. Uh, if you have two values coming from two different places and you do not integrate into your model the metadata of that mm. property simple thing unit of measure one might say kilograms per second the other weightometer might be tons per hour mm. if you don't use that metadata in your model to clean it mm. then it's going to be two different sets of things and no you can't compare apples with apples yeah so when we talk about contextualizing of data it's not just getting the value from the historian into the mart it's understanding the scaling and the context of that data to understand, hey, now I need to compare tons with tons, mm. although my unit of measure and scaling was completely different. And I'm sorry, a data mark is not a place to apply scaling and unit of measure to data. Omri, you probably you probably have a lot of you probably had a lot of examples that you had to work through in terms of trying to attempting to apply context between two different sources measures for one unified view. You probably had many cases like that on your side. Yes, that's very true. Like I said, so on, on the business unit that we that we function currently, some of the code was written in the in the early to mid-80s. That was the <laughs> beginning of of the PLC era. We in the beginning of my career, we were in a part of those projects converting relay logic to to PLC stuff. Yeah. And um, if we can, in a, in a greenfields environment, have the opportunity to redo that, we will yes. do it completely different. But at that stage, it was the right thing to do because we were leading um, the technology at that stage. Uh, yeah. But ever since we've learned a few more things. And uh, one of the, the important thing is like, like I said, look holistic to, to your whole operation from the instrument to the manager in his office getting the information. Hmm. So that bring, bring, brings us to, to, to something else. And, 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 and that is the measures that you need to put in place to assure when things does change, because things do change. You, you, you sometimes do change instruments or you make changes in your PLC environment and tomorrow everything in the boss's office is wrong because there's empty spaces in his in his information. 
So that's also something that we need to, needed to cater for. And it was a, it still is a, a challenge that, that you need to continue. It's, it's not something you put in place. It's something that you, it's a way of work. You need to, to put things and measures in place and you need to keep on doing it mm. because you need to keep on trusting your information. Not, it's not a sign off at day one and then you step away from it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to quickly chat about, I mean, we, I, I don't want to specifically speak about COVID-19 and the pandemic and, and, and the impact that we've seen, but I do want to get your views on what the value of that information was during a pandemic like COVID-19, like we've seen last year. You know, like I would imagine your business, like many others, had to very quickly pivot towards not, not only remote working, but effectively working remotely. And then the value of information is even more important than what it typically would be. Um, and, the, and the trust in that information is even more important. What, what did that, what, call, it, call it a period over the last year through COVID, what, what was that like and what did that look like? What did you and your team have to do and enable to quickly provide that where so many more people were potentially working from home? Yes, Yaku. So obviously, your infrastructure needed to be beefed up a little bit. So that was yeah, that, that was the first thing. Quickly, they had to look at internet internet lines and breakouts, being able to handle these. I don't want to say double. I want to say 10, 20, 50 times more sure. traffic all of a sudden that you need to. Everybody that used to sit inside of the organization at some way now needed to enter the organization from outside, but still in a, in a way that, that you don't expose your business to, to IT threats. Mm. So yeah, that's the first thing. And uh, I really think th this company did it quite well. It, uh, obviously in South Africa, the, the service providers are there. Uh, we are at quite a remote location where, where the business unit is. So that's the way you like it. You like remote locations, right? I like remote locations. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> internet around here is 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 sometimes a challenge. That's why most of our stuff is still hosted. I know everybody is on this cloud drive mm. uh, for for the enterprise applications. Cloud is cloud is working well. Hmm. But your core stuff uh, in our operation year is still on-prem. Yeah. So, so yeah, having that on-prem now, you have your 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 people being able to reach that, hmm. and then yes, we we had to to put a, a lot of extra effort, and we had to speed up a few things to 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 make certain that the information happened more automated. Hmm. Because many times uh, we unfortunately had the, the circumstances where some of the people were off with COVID, uh, sick hmm. in hospitals and so on. And that just um, highlighted the point for us so, so much more that you shouldn't be reliant on person A sitting in his office, crunching the stuff into Excel to be able to physically print it on a printer and hand it in, somebody, in somebody's hand. Absolutely. Because Tomorrow that guy can be off and he is allowed to take leave. And previously leave was was handled by reliefs and so on. But if all of a sudden somebody gets sick, 
um, your things need to be in place. So it makes you think differently of how your business should be run. And, and, and I think a lot of businesses in South Africa has adopted and changed quite a lot. So our teams are, are, are working. Um, we were working almost completely remotely for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, now with the with, with with the easement of the restrictions and 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 the, and the better um, stats that we see on COVID, uh, the team that function with me, we are in a 50-50 type of half uh, in the office, half remotely, and then we swap okay. around. Mm-hmm. So it also gives you uh, opportunities to 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 get things done because uh, in my mind, you know. Working from home, I actually worked much harder yeah. from home. <laughs> so, so yeah, that that's business have changed. Uh, yeah. I, I think also that clients. If I think think two years ago, that you would schedule an online meeting with a boss and you will be willing to to take it, we couldn't imagine it. And these days, it's a reality. Uh, many times, you can now get five minutes or ten minutes from the boss. Even if it's the five minutes that he would have walked to the boardroom that you that you had with him previously, now you can actually talk the five minutes and get get stuff done. So there's there's pros and cons to everything, but I do think that the agileness and uh, the way that South Africans has adopted to the new way of work, it actually amazed me. I I I, I know we are adaptive, but I think it even over, overdone what I imagined would, would happen. Yeah, we, we, we are definitely resilient and adaptive as, as, as people in South Africa, for sure. Absolutely. You're right. I think there, there is definitely a lot of benefit that's come out of the forced remote work and, and the way that we approach the ability in terms of where we can work and where we can be effective. There's a lot of, lot of good things that came out of the COVID experience. I love, I love the fact that you mentioned Agile. Yeah. Um, I think when pe- people, th- I mean, what a bigger kick up the butt on digital transformation than COVID, to be honest, the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think people has got this notion that a digital transformation objective is A, very costly, um, and you need to large, large, and it's a very expert, expert field. Mm. Um, we want to, th- we always say it, we throw it a little bit on our head. If you take a a very agile approach with small business objective um, objectives with a very good return on investment or ROI. Mm. Digital transformation confirmation can be as simple as delivering a number for a guy on his cell phone yep. versus a whole massive, you know, software investment. And you build on that incrementally. And you build on that incrementally. Mm. So I love the yeah. fact that guys put an agile approach on it. And I think, sorry, last thing, I think that one-liner, just to end up, that one-liner that says reporting, I think because of the nature of us as IT or automation engineers doing stuff on a waterfall project kind of methodology, as we've always done, at the end of the project, there's your 10 reports, I sign off and I walk away. Hmm. I think it's very important to understand that potentially, um, I might be completely wrong, but I think information-driven projects should be more in an agile approach. Show benefit immediately on a KPI, on a piece of information, rather than at the end of six months delivering 10 reports that nobody even seen before. 
So yeah, just my, yes, my it's, view. It's very important to, to, to negotiate that with your client from the beginning so that they are so they are um, expecting it in, in that way. You don't need to take a big bang approach. If you, if you deliver the first two or three things, that will automatically be the gateway to the, to the rest. And yep. once they, 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 they get that one value on a cell phone or something, and the, the luxury of, of, of having that will then drive also there. Um, you know, you always have to, to have the bosses that, that, that roll away rocks in the road for you on your journey. And as they as they had a taste of what they can have, yeah. they just drive it much harder. That's what you get for your sins, Alvaro. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what that's what you get for doing something really well. Um, I, I wanted to quickly get your opinion on what you mentioned about the the on-prem versus cloud. And I mean, there's a lot of protagonists for 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 both. For you know, there's a lot of people that that still perceive the on-prem to be the only way. There's obviously a lot of um, uh, protagonists for, for cloud. It feels like there's, especially after COVID, it feels like there is a much more widely acceptance of, uh, wider acceptance of hybrid, a hybrid kind of a kind of an architectural approach. Do you, do you also find that? Yes. I'm still an old school believer. I like to have the stuff close to me. Um, maybe it's because we are on a, on a remote location. Um, like I said, internet, we, we, our internet is not where Europe is. So yeah. that's a reality we have to, have to uh, take care of. But there's, there's, there's horses for courses. Yeah. Definitely um, your tools that you have in, in the cloud, especially if you, and we haven't even touched on um, um, what you can do with that information on a on an automated way, where you where you have your AIs and all those type of uh, discoveries and those type of things. So yeah, machine learning, machine learning as a as, learning. A, as a as a subset of um, artificial intelligence. I mean, there's incredible things you can do now. So in that space, definitely. But in your in in, in your tacky on the task stuff, I think we will still be for quite quite a few years that on-prem will will have its place uh, my opinion is still that you need to be able to pull out the wires and shut down all the comms into your place and it still need to function um, because reality is that uh, that sometimes you you cannot 100 percent rely on the stuff that you cannot see yeah. yeah. Uh, just for international uh, listeners, Tacky on the Tar. So Tacky in South Africa is a sneaker or a running shoe. Yeah. So what Alvaro is referring to is the actual things that run your business. Basically, basically. <laughs> we have to explain. We have to explain what a bucky is. Overall, I love what you're doing in terms of the data transformation, um, the defining stage, the. Um, contextualizing of the information, making that data available as information to different role players in the organization, depending on their needs, and recognizing that it's agile, flexible, and continuous. Um, I think that's probably the most important elements that you've, that you've mentioned that many people don't realize when undertaking the journey. And uh, to your point, you, 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 you've learned and you're still learning. We're all learning every day. Um, and, and I think having the technology 
um, with the people with the right mindset that accepts that and, and recognizes that, um, that's that's a winning combination. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for for sharing with that. I think it's a very positive message that you've shared this morning, um, um, and it's also recognizing the realities of of what a journey like this looks like. Um, so thank you very much for sharing. It was really really insightful. Yeah, I think and honest. I, th- I found your conversation really authentic and and honest, which is which is great. I think one thing that stood out for me is also the notion that IT and OT can work together. Absolutely. Um, I think you guys did it very well with the segregation. Clover, Francia from Clover, they went through the same, the same methodology. It's, it's, um, it's a necessity. And I think if, if the parties understand where they play well and what they can offer for the difference, but very importantly, having that bridge that assists between OT and IT data, I think that's a, that's a very good uh, um yeah. strategy that you guys put in place there. Yeah. Lenny, if I can just say one more thing, it's a, it's not a project. It's it's not something with an end date. It's a way of life. Yeah. If you if you don't treat it as a way of life, it will it will create it, its own end date very soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. Yeah, as we've seen. Omar, thank you so much. Do you want to do you want to Give us any big, bold projections, um, forecasts, um, uh, predictions, indications of, of, of what you feel this data-to-value space will look like over the next couple of months or years? Any pers- strong personal opinions? I, I definitely think the, the AI space is very un, unexplored. I think for, for, for us, the journey up until contextualized data, we've mm-hmm. come a long way. We've made a lot of progress. We learned a lot of lessons. We made a lot of mistakes, but you learn from your mistakes. I think in that space, we kind of move towards the point where we, we're getting things under control. Uh, moving into the, into the AI space, I think we haven't seen the tip of it. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of things to come, and I think there's an amazing amount of opportunities that's going to arise from that but it needs to be built on solid foundations. So that was our approach. Get, get your, your bottom layers solid because mm-hmm. if you have garbage in, you're going to have garbage out. Um, that's my prediction. Such a good point. I, I love that you mentioned that. It's, it's crucial. Yeah. Really, really good. Omra, thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed the chat with you. I, I feel like we can chat for a little bit longer still. Um, but thank you for sharing. Thank you for the insights and and uh, thank you for the prediction. <laughs> and uh, I agree with you. Uh, I speak to Omra almost every week, so I'm not going to say goodbye. Omra, <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you again soon. Omra, <laughs> thank you for your time. Cool. Thank you very much. Have a, have a good weekend and uh, we'll, we'll chat soon. So that was uh, episode 26, I think I said, episode 26. I'm not entirely sure what we're going to hold next. I know we're continuing the chatting in the mining space. Um, I think we're lining up um, uh, some PwC again, maybe somebody from Minerals Council from South Africa to get a little bit of a, you know, we speak about data and technology. That's what we're passionate about. Um, I think we're lining up somebody from the Minerals Council of South Africa to give us a little bit of a broader view of um, the overall mining position um, in relation to technology and people and process. So so I think we'll cover that for the next episode. Cool. Um, 
maybe we'll we can speak to somebody in the maybe in the mineral processing side um yeah so we'll continue with the mining thread if you enjoyed this episode um please share it and please give us some feedback you know what is that email address uh if you've got any other topics you'd like us to cover uh just send us a mail at podcast at element8.co.za cool thank you very much for listening and thanks again to to Omra. cool thanks everybody cheers bye-bye